So today we're in Luke chapter 13, starting in verse 22. And I will begin reading right there. Now Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? That's an interesting question, right? Of stopping him in his tracks. Why would, why would this man even have this idea? He's an Israelite. Aren't they all God's chosen people? Aren't we all going to be ushered into the great kingdom of heaven as it's brought to full, uh, full manifestation? But apparently he had other thoughts. Why did he have those thoughts? Because he probably heard Jesus preaching about that very idea. And Jesus had preached on that idea. One of the most famous examples of it is in the Sermon on the Mount. Where Jesus there says, and I'll, I'll just kind of read this to you guys, you can, uh, go back and take a look at it, where he says, enter through the narrow door, or the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So narrow door, narrow way, only a few can find it the very way that leads to life. And this man heard that sermon or sermons like it or maybe heard about it and apparently wasn't uh, in any way relaxed in his mind by this idea. Instead, I would imagine anybody would be quite agitated if the Messiah has arrived and here's the message, God's people. Only a few of you are going to make it. Imagine being in, in those seats at that time, hearing that. You'd ask the same thing. So, Jesus, this whole few thing, uh, is it like a few or a few? Like, how, how does this few really kind of work out? For those of you listening at home, I was making gestures with my hands that was relative fewness, by the way. And, and really, I think what this man is saying, all right, Jesus, you're talking this few thing, right? Like, what does it take for me to get in? Yeah, right. Because suddenly I'm sobered in the idea of what it's going to be to enter into eternal life. So... It's interesting that a man comes up and asks him this, but Jesus takes it as, as an opportunity, perhaps with a sweep of the hand, not to, just to address the man, but he says to them all. And what does he say? Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Same wording he used back with, you know, wide is the, the gate and wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow the gate or the door that leads to life and only a few find it. And so how, how is it that there is entry through this narrow door? Make every effort, Jesus says. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you'll stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. So apparently this door is a narrow door, it is a narrow way, and it requires every effort. But it's also only open for a certain period of time. And that means that there is a door of opportunity 
of eternal life for all of us that is afforded to us, but not to in any way disregard it or not allow it to be the priority that it really requires to be in our lives. It's a very dangerous thing to backburner Jesus' invitation here. But he will answer. And they said, hey, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you. Now, in Eastern culture, big, big deal. If you have table fellowship with one another, you're thinking, we're good, right? right. Like, we're, you, you invited me in. We sat down together. We broke bread together. That's like our connection, right? This is, by the way, I think for many people, the most frightening passage in the Bible. And if it is not that for you, I think it's a good period of time now to just kind of step back and say, Holy Spirit, please convict me of the depth of what Jesus is saying here. Because if we're lax in any way with what it is that Jesus is calling us to, we'll end up on that broad path. We'll end up among those saying, hey, 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 Jesus, remember? Ate, drank, you know, we're good. You're my boy. Open the door. And only to, could you imagine that? I mean, really having that, that thought, wait, come on, right? right? We're tight. We're tight like that, Jesus. I don't know you or where you come from. Again, we ate, we drank with you. But he will reply, and now he takes it up a level as he kind of peers through this door. I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There's going to be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets of the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from the east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. I got a simple idea today and it's simply this, the agony and the festivity. Because this ends, ends with festivity. This ends with a feast. This ends with an upside down expectation. People from the east and the west and the north and the south are all going to come and take their places in festivity, in celebration, in the kingdom of God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the patriarchs, all the prophets. You're going to have dinner conversation that will blow your mind. You know, now you sit and you have a good conversation and somebody tells you about kind of an interesting story about, you know, a challenge they went through or a job that they got or how they courted their wife and she finally said yes. And, you know, we really enjoy those, those stories. How about when you're hanging out and suddenly you hear next to you the conversation, you're like, oh, let me, let me key in on this. So anyway, this nine-foot guy comes out and, you know, I'm just a shepherd and I don't, you know, I'm thinking like, what, what, what can I do? And he starts calling down curses on God and his people and the whole army, including Saul, who's a head taller than I am. They all cower in fear. And I'm thinking, yo, God is with us. 
Why are you guys cowering? So as, as frightening as it was, I decided to step up and say, I'm going to take down that giant. You're like, what? what? What happened next? Like, what else were you thinking? At what point did you ever think about running away, David? I mean, imagine the conversations it's going to be top to bottom. What in the world? So, so Shadrach. Everybody bows down? Like, what did that look like? And for you to stand on up tall in the middle of Babylon? Like, what did you think was going to happen at that moment? And okay, and as they threw you into the furnace, like, did you feel the heat? Like, what, what, what actually happened at that moment? And the fourth figure, you know, we think it's Jesus. Was it Jesus? What, what exactly was it that went on there? That's going to be your day every day. Like, how amazing is that going to be? Just being regaled with stories of faith and victory at every hand. And never mind Andrew, Peter, James, John, Paul. I don't know. You're almost going to be like almost afraid, I think, that fellowship with Paul, right? <laughs> I, so so when, when you were stoned and left for dead, like, like to, what were your, like, your body functions like at that moment? Like, do you, did you think you had a pulse? Uh, to, to, I mean, how, how badly were you bleeding at that moment in time? And so then you decided after all of that to get back up and go back into the city and preach to those same people? Was there ever a thought, maybe let's just go on to the next place. I'll just kind of shake the dust off. Like, well, why, why go back? What was the key to I mean, that's going to be our discussions all the time. Wow. Praise God. Who doesn't want that? But that's why Jesus says, don't just kind of give this a token tip of the hat try. We need to make every effort. And that's all I want to key in on today. There's no real points. There's just two words that we're going to study today. And those two words are the words in verse 24, because it's all the difference of whether we are pinching ourselves that I'm hanging out with Elijah on this hand, Elisha on this hand, and waiting to hear the next story that comes. So, Prophets of Baal, prophets of Asherah, you got a bull on there, and you call down fire, and you decide to douse the whole thing in water first, and then fill the trench with what? Elijah, man, you're the man. I, I mean, I mean that, that's all that's going on. Now, we, we have, on, on either hand here, on verse 24, either make every effort, which is this Greek word, agonizomai. I'll talk about it in a minute. And it won't be as nerdy as you think. And on the other hand, he says, those that don't enter in, those that are on the broad path, he says, because many, many, I tell you, will try. And what's the word for try here? It's this word here, zateo. So agonizomai and zateo. And we will, again, we will just dive into this. And here's what I hope, is that at the end, we can be convicted by the Word of God, inspired by the Word of God, about not ever being blindsided, as these Israelites were, who thought because they had some sort of either racial or spatial proximity to Jesus, that somehow they were good. It's not about that. 
It's not about saying, Lord, Lord. Jesus says that very clearly. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Who are my mother and brothers and sisters? Is it not him who does the will of my Father? It's not about being here in church. It's not about reading the Bible, being exposed to these things, but it's about at some point, you dig down deep, and decide, I'm going to surrender over those things in my life that are outside the will of God to align myself to Jesus and be able to say with real sincerity and trust, Jesus is Lord. Because not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, Jesus says. And we want to make sure that we are people that take this with all the solemnity and earnestness that Jesus really is trying to get through in this passage. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. I mean, Jesus is like dropping the bomb here for us to be like sober up on this issue. It's not just kind of happy clappy. Oh, you know, the gospel, it's so nice. Let's, let's have this as a bedtime story. Wait, you know what? This ought to cause your eyes to spring open and your heart rate to double. Hearing this, and, you know, it's time for melatonin. If, if there's going to be any sleep on this night, if this is the bedtime story. Because, whoa, really, really. And, and so what we have in, in the contrast here are these two ideas of agonizomai versus zeteo. And agonizomai, I'll, I'll, I'll jump into it in a bit more here. But before I do that, I want to talk about zeteo. Zeteo is, is the idea of trying, desiring. It's wanting, but it's just that. But here's the scary part, especially when you think about all these people who got blindsided. If you ask people, how's their Christian walk going? How often do you hear, well, I'm trying. How's your prayer life? How's your purity? How's your evangelism? How's your Bible study? Well, I'm trying. How's it going with really trying to surrender your will over to the will of Jesus as you walk through your Christian days? You know what? I, you know, hey, like all of us, I'm just trying. That's the broad path. Come on. You just described the broad path. You just described what blindsided all of these guys. Yeah. But, 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 you, you know, we... Don't you remember? We hung. We came to church. We we're doing this sort of stuff. Yeah, but in our heart of hearts, do we, do we really completely surrender? Now, be careful because it's easy with these words to get kind of a works-oriented mentality to Christianity. And for sure, we're saved by grace and not, not in any way by our works. But what is this struggle, this striving, this making of every effort that Jesus wants for us? And keep this in mind, please. It's not about being able to check enough boxes. It's the bloody struggle. Leave it all on the field. Fourth and one rah, effort yeah. of deciding. I am going to subordinate my will to the will of God. And if you don't think that's a bloody effort and a bloody struggle, I don't know if you've ever really known the depth of what that requires. Yeah. I remember how scary that was for me. For me, you know what the big one was? Stinking selfish ambition. Everything that I woke up eating, sleeping, breathing was all about 
how do I climb up to the next rung on the ladder at my corporate gig? I was working for Coca-Cola. And, you know, you get little kind of numerical um, levels of, of rating, you know, of, of, as you make your way through. Not, not unlike, you know, any of the military services where you have literally have ranks. Yeah, you have something like that even in corporate America. And, it was, and, and there were bands and ranks and whether you got into senior management. And then there's different, different levels there. And, and I remember thinking, is there anybody my age that's ahead of me right now? <gasps> oh, no, there is somebody. You know, then, then suddenly I'm like redoubling my efforts, thinking of creative ways to kind of jump and leapfrog ahead. And then when I would get there, I'd be satisfied, but then think, oh, I can't rest. I can't rest. All my life was about how am I going to march up into the corner office and run this stinking place? And it, I mean, it, it, and it, you know, oh, well, that's, uh, isn't that an industrious young man? No, no. It was only all about... Uh, really glorifying myself. It was yuppie, empty suit, disgusting image materialism. I mean, that's, that's all that I was through, throughout all of that. And for me, to, to recognize that that's not a good thing, well, I'm pro providing for my family. I'm, pro I'm, I'm, I'm being able to build a future and a legacy for, for generations to come by, by being able to do all those things. Now, that's just the way that I justify my, my stinking, self-absorbed life. And as I was confronted with Jesus, and to realize that life is about denying self, life is about that seed falling to the ground and dying, I entered into my bloody struggle. And I remember even reading the Bible, and as I was making my way through and reading through the book of Acts, and I remember, clear as a bell, even though it was over 22 years ago, but I remember looking at it and saying to myself, Oh, snap. I bet if I get after this, I might have to consider leaving Coca-Cola because there's that much of my life. But then I thought, well, probably not. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and go for this. And I'm sure a guy could work it out one way or another. But, but I did decide, though, you know what? If, if ever called by God to, to leave all that I had kind of built and accomplished there, that, that I would. And, and it wasn't too long after that, really only just months after my baptism, uh, after I was then, you know, cracking into senior management, senior director level, uh, it was at that very moment where I, I remember being asked, hey, what do you think about giving all that up, taking a 75% pay cut, and becoming a ministry intern? <laughs> and, and you know what? I did it with joy. I really, you know why? Because the bloody struggle had already occurred. It had already occurred before I said Jesus is Lord, before my baptism. And, and the rest was, was, was clear as a bell. I mean, certainly so. I don't know what your kind of bloody struggle, because that's the idea of agonizomai, as we'll see in a minute. I don't know what yours is, but I want you to keep it in mind. Whatever it is, is and, and the, the core of that word, agon, comes from the Greek word meaning stadium or arena. What arena do you need to still get into and win the battle? Win the battle for Jesus over self. Win the battle for righteousness over sin. Win the battle for staying in the light rather than living in darkness. Win the battle for living in community in the body of Christ rather than individualism and self-focus. I don't, I don't know what yours is, but think about what, what arena do you need to be heading into to make every effort, to strive, and to prevail. Not in and of yourselves, but because you basically surrender self over to the victory of Jesus Christ.
Let's talk about Zateo first. Zateo, which of course is translated here, try. And probably one of the better popular definitions of try is this. Try not. Do or not do, there is no try. Direct from none other than Yoda. Not quite a prophet, but, you know, it's not chopped liver either. It looks a little bit like it. Interestingly, one of the, uh, the Luanita uh, def, uh, Dictionary of Greek Words, uh, the Greek lexicon of the New Testament, actually has this definition for zeteo. It means to try, but actually in the end, not really to fully succeed. It's, it's used in Luke 5 when the men are carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. It says, some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Well, they tried, but they failed. So what did they do? They then decided, time to strive. So instead of just trying, like, hey, excuse me, pardon me, hey, uh, you know, man on a mat, hey, paralyzed man, please, coming through. Like, We're all paralyzed. We all got issues. We're all waiting for Jesus. Right? Uh, yeah, but you know, uh, you know, that trying was not, it seems like a lot of effort, right? I mean, four guys carrying another friend, good day, I'm trying. You know what? That trying is failing. There is either do or not do. That's making every effort. That's agonizomai. That's striving. So those men decided, of course, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and lowered him on a mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. That's the difference. No more trying. Time to do whatever it takes. One of my uh, favorite quotes of Hannibal. Hannibal, you know, he's... uh, fought against Caesar in, uh, in the great, uh, what were they, Car- Carthian Wars or whatever it was. Um, but, but, but his great quote was, in veniemos et faciemos, which of course means in Latin, I will find a way or I will make a way. That's these guys' attitudes here. That's make every effort attitude. That's not just, imagine, imagine Hannibal having his great quote to rally the men up against the Roman Empire. And he says, you know what, guys, we're going to do? Faced with all that we've got here? Let's just, let's just give it a good try. Like, the truth, oh, okay. Well, we, 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 gave it our, we gave it our all. Wasn't that, wasn't that something? We, we've got to perish that idea. But here's why it's so difficult. Because it's what Christianity looks like everywhere. Yeah. It's what my Christianity looked like Before I was confronted without escape from the word of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It is exactly what my Christianity looked like. And by the way, everybody that I knew, it was their Christianity as well. Well, I'm trying to be pure with my girlfriend. But you know what? Hey, it's Friday night. Let's just go out, see how things go. And well, let's just not think about maybe some of the consequences. And before you know it, even though I don't want to necessarily do this, I've had a few too many. And you know what? She looks better. And by the way, she's willing. And by the way, well, but I tried. Really? Like, what is that? But, but how many people claim Christianity 
And things just like that can, and every, oh my goodness, I can't believe I messed up. I can't believe. Yes, you messed up because you tried. You're on the broad path. Yes, I messed up because I was on the broad path. Praise God that he slapped me upside the heart and head to show me you're on the broad path. You're getting blindsided. You're going to knock on the door. Yo, Jesus, remember I went to catechism. You know, I took communion. Hey, Jesus, remember that? I ate and I drank with you. I don't know you or where you come from, you evildoer. Uh, Humana, humana. This is me? This is me you're talking to? Like like I should have even really been surprised. But because of my ignorance of the clarity of the Bible, I was surprised. And please, let today be, I don't care whether you've been a member here for 25 years or whether you just walked in 25 minutes ago. Let the Holy Spirit bring the conviction here because what's the worst thing that happens? We get convicted and we decide, you know what? Hey, can I sit down with somebody? Obviously, me just trying to do this in and of my own common sense, I have a good, pretty good way of justifying myself. And I I think I'm done with justifying myself. I'd rather sit down, have an objective look here, have the Bible, get after this, and be able to see the glory and the beauty and the festivity that comes from being able to really make every effort to truly surrender and align myself with the will of Jesus. But now, Agonitsamai, that's a different story. I want to show you a clip of a young lady. Her name is uh, Kayla. And she's a runner down in North Carolina. Uh, Four years ago, at the age of 14, she was diagnosed with MS. And, you know, a a progressive and, and serious MS. But... And as a result, she, she was very good at soccer, very good at cross country. But as a result, she had to give up soccer and decided, well, if all I have is cross country, I'm going to actually make every effort. Make every effort to have a sub 18 minute uh, 5K, which, you know, that's pretty good. Uh, to, and she, she actually did. I mean, these, these are her medals. But she became the story on ESPN, and likewise with the local news. I'm going to show you both of these clips. Just take a look at this. And remember that agon, agonizomai, it's all about that striving in the arena. And this is a really good, I think, visualization of that very thing. When I'm running, I feel happiest. It's when I feel safest from my own It's difficult to live with a disease where your own body's fighting against yourself. So when I'm running, I feel like I'm That's the special. And I want to show you also that that's the ESPN special uh, clip, the trailer. But let me show you also from the uh, the local news twelve in, in North Carolina. Well, you can see with 800 to go, you know, a half mile to go in any race, uh, you can see it's starting to happen. I actually don't notice it while I run because I zone everything out and I just focus on the race ahead of me. But as soon as I stop running, I collapse because I've lost complete feeling from the waist down. I'm a father and I have two young girls and 
I wouldn't want anybody to push my daughter into pain, you know. Um, but she has this tenacity that she wants to fight it. She wants to beat it. Honestly, I almost quit, and I didn't want to run anymore because it was—it's really hard, and I was tired of having to try more than other people and to deal with the different symptoms. But I decided I would try to keep with it, and I'm really happy I did. Kayla Montgomery, she is literally giving all she has, and she's this week's slow athlete of the week. Yeah, amen. She even uses the word try, right? But even as the announcer says, she's not just trying. She is giving it all she has in the arena, in the agon, in the agony of, of, of the effort that is there. That's the beautiful picture. It's even the picture that Paul paints as, as he talks about agonizomai. Some of the other times where it's used in the New Testament is when Jesus says, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest. And think at the, of how they would do exactly that. That word fight, agonizomai. Epaphras, written about by Paul in Colossians, is a servant of Christ. He sends you greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. Wow, I want somebody to pray about me like that. Agonizomai, in prayer. In Colossians 1, 29 through 2, it says, to this end, that is presenting everyone mature in Christ. Paul trying to help everybody know, know their life in Christ. To this end, I contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those in Laodicea, for those who have not met me personally. And then the classic one that Paul says repeatedly in 2 Timothy and 1 Timothy, I have fought the good fight. Literally, I have agonizomai in the agon. And that is what we're called to. We're to fight the good fight. It's a beautiful, glorious, festive fight that we have. And what we get to do is in the end, completely subordinate our will to the beautiful, perfect will of God. Yeah, it's no fun at first because we're all so stinking wrapped up in self. But when we can come to that place of complete surrender, how amazingly beautiful is it? I remember one of the most difficult decisions I had was at one point in time being asked to, um, to kind of pack up, move everything, move to, to, to Detroit. I remember just being so, so... Um, kind of wrapped up in this, but I remember after an all-night prayer, getting after it and finally deciding, you know what? I'm going to trust that this really is the body of Christ, that He really does arrange the parts as He wants to. I'm going to trust that this is the will of God, and I'm going to go to the staff meeting tomorrow and, and, and let them know, you know what? I'm ready. I'm re I don't know how this is all going to work out with family, everything else. I'm ready. I'm ready to go, if that's what you need me to do. And I remember the moment that that happened, the exaltation, the enthusiasm of my soul of actually being in alignment with the will of God in an area that was completely against my will. It was just sweetness, presence of Jesus being able to do that. This is, this is not just some trudging, oh, you know, you got to fight. Christianity is just a, you know, a grind and a grind and a grind. No, every time that we come to that place where we align ourselves with Christ, when we're yoked with Him, where, where we actually have alignment with Him, it's nothing but joy and exaltation. 
It is a foretaste of the festival of sitting with David and Elijah and Elisha and Paul and Peter. It's, it's all of that, that that comes to us and, and is ours now. And by the way, every time that we do that, often what we do in our lives is so amazingly significant. That for which you pray, suddenly you realize, wow, look what God just did through those prayers. A Bible study that you really have as an intention to refine your character in Christ. You realize, oh my goodness, this is really the case. A desire to really reach out to people to help others mature in Christ. To help others come to know Christ. That you do that with the, the earnestness of all that you can. And surrendering into alignment with the will of God. And seeing the greatness of what God is able to do through all of that. It's all beautiful. There's nothing more significant than that. As Tana said earlier, there's nothing boring about it. And it is astounding at every turn. You are not called to be into some sort of a momo passivity of a walk in Jesus Christ. We're called to change the world. And it's amazing and astounding. And it's what we get to do. Praise God that this is our lot. And what will come our way at the end of every small foretaste joy is in the end full joy. The festival awaits. God is not just doing this to, well, let me just see how much I can make you really grind it out. No, no. At every turn, he, he wants all of this to refine your character, refine your soul, so that in the end, you'll appreciate all the more the, the festive feast that will come at the end of time. So let me just give a quick challenge here as we close out. And here's my practical application. What's your arena? What's your arena where there's unfinished business? Where there's some surrender to Christ? Where there's alignment to His will? What is your arena where you most need to agonize and make every effort? Well, as you identify that arena, get in there. Be that man or woman whose face is marred with blood and sweat and dust. Get in there and make every effort. And then after you do that, one more thing. Make every effort again. Amen.